As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Hearts, they're back in the Premiership. Going down? Could it maybe be Hamilton this time? I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me, senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. Motherwell are safe, aren't they, pal? Uh, let's wait until it's mathematically impossible <laughs> to I see otherwise. <laughs> Don't want to tempt fate just yet. Very good. Also joining us, football writer, he's born and bred from Aberdeen. It's JJ Bull. JJ, Aberdeen, they're safe. Yes, they are. <laughs> we scored a goal, though, in open play, so that was a nice change. Another classic 1-0. Yeah, the best score of all. Let's talk about the fact that there's going to be some fans at Hamden, Scotland. Well, the Scottish Government has given approval for 12,000 supporters. That's 25% of the stadium's capacity to attend Euro 2020 matches in June. Laura, you're actually quite downbeat about this, even though it's some positive news. Yeah, I'm just a bit sad about the circumstances in general. Um, not so much mad at the number being given. It's just it's just a shame that come a tournament, the stadium's only be a, a quarter full. But as you're saying, yeah. it is better than nothing. Um, but when you look at the, the list of rules and everything, is that really what football's all about? Is that really what a tournament's all about? Don't celebrate. Don't hug people when you score a goal. Like... I mean, try telling us to not do that when we score a free kick in the last minute against England. I mean, it's just yeah. it's not possible at a football game. I mean, what would you what would you rather? Would you rather because it's not so many supporters? Would you rather be there? Or would you rather? Do you think you'd rather watch it at home? Because there are the old firm facts put out saying you know like like you said, no hugs. You have to stay in your seat uh, and social distancing and all that jazz. I mean, um, I, if you offered me a ticket. <laughs> um, I'm not one that. to not one to turn it. Damn it! <laughs> I'm not one to turn it down a ticket. But um, I dare say that spending it in the pub with your friends is probably going to be a more enjoyable experience. Um, but do you know what? I'm actually just really pleased with the players. And I know a lot of this. We've always been talking about. Oh, it's for the fans and and reaching the, the tournament for the first time in 23 years. It's it's all for the supporters. But it's actually really special for the players to be able to say they're they're going to play a tournament now in front of supporters. Um, I'm I'm kind of in that strange situation, privileged situation where I get to work with footballers and, and see what how they feel about things like that. And they all hate it. They hate this season playing in front of no fans. Um, and I, th- I just think it's such a big deal for Scotland. And some of these players, they won't have another chance at this. Um, so it's, it's really good for them to have that experience, I think. Well, you're looking forward to it, JJ. We're going to have some games at Hamden, that's for sure. Scotland against Czech Republic. Uh, Croatia and the Czech Republic are going to play at Hamden too, uh, and also Scotland against Croatia. Some good games. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's uh, really good. There's people out back in the stadium. I think. I mean, it's not that there's some sort of bully that's come away and said you can't have people in. I mean, there's that. There's this coronavirus thing. Uh, you didn't see it in the news or not? There's this thing that's happened, and so, like, I can understand why. You know, like it's it's for people's safety, right? It's not to try and try and yeah. punish football fans. But I can I understand why it would be not as enjoyable having the seasons the stadium full. Yeah, I think it's the thing. Even the difference, right, on TV it'll make having people in crowds. Like watching the games has become so boring 
because like the audio they do a good job with the, the way the audio mixes but it just sounds like a game of fifa or something like that you wanted to have <laughs> you, you can't um i mean you can <laughs> you can replicate the noise they even do things like people booing when there's a vr decision now but it just makes it it's more bright and it sounds more real and it's it'll make the games much better Speaking as a journalist, is it is quite interesting being able to listen to the footballers on the pitch, though. I, quite I was like fascinated that. for the first month. I thought it was great, and I was like, "No, nah, it's going to be. You yeah. don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be." And then, I mean, I'm so bored of all the same games. This they just sound and look exactly the same, and they are <laughs> slower. There are fewer passes per game. Like, like the numbers are there. It's a slower game. And fewer silly things happen, and you need, you need mistakes sometimes. That's why you get so many boring draws and stuff like that. And I think it's maybe starting to change now. I'm talking about Scotland and England. You get games starting to change a little bit now because maybe people are getting a bit excited because they know it's coming in. But when there's st- yeah. fans in there, you'll notice them run a bit harder. They'll make a little mistake because of the noise or something like that. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Well, ho- hopefully, it's just the start of, of something bigger uh, and a return to what we all know best. But uh, later on the podcast, we're going to discuss the champions of the championship. But first, which teams will Hearts be up against next season? This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Back on to Kyle Gurley. Gurley, that's not a good clearing ball. Fuchs plays it through. McNulty is onside. Chance for United. And beautifully taken by Mark McNulty. The first effort on goal results in the first goal of the match for Dundee United. Mark McNulty's goal after six minutes for Dundee United proved to be a hammer blow to Hamilton in their hopes to stay in the Premiership. We're joined now by Ben Patterson from the Only Aki's YouTube channel. And Ben, Brian Rice was really unhappy last week. I mean, it was quite a funny interview, but you could understand these emotions. Uh, but this week, he called this the best performance of the season. What do you think? Um, I, I would disagree and say that for me personally, it's not the best performance of the season. I think we did perform well and we performed better than Dundee United. But the fact that we still lose that game, I don't see how we can call it the performance of the season. For me, that would be uh, beating Motherwell 4-1. Um, that was the best all-round performance, strong defensively, created plenty of chances. But the biggest thing from that was taking those when they came, which was the problem against United. Because you were so. Uh, the thing is, though, 27 shots people will, will highlight as maybe pointing to Hamilton being quite dominant in this game. Uh, the one thing Hamilton do do is they are so positive. But what do you think the problems have, have been for the team this season? I think there are... <laughs> how much time you got? I think, there are, <laughs> I think there are lots of problems this season. The one that's been kind of highlighted most is our injuries. We've just been absolutely bombarded with injuries this season. Um, so that's a major factor. Uh, I also think Brian Rice needs to take a lot of the blame for it as well. Some of the game management has been so questionable. Strange substitutions, unusual tactics going into games and they've not set us off on the right foot. But then also lack of activity in the windows. I mean... We went into January desperately needing a striker and got one in Bruce Anderson, which was great. But we were already had so many injuries on the table that we needed to bring in more than just one, and we didn't. And that's left us with an incredibly thin squad, which was again highlighted against Dundee United when I think we had five players on the bench. See, like, it's this run on running joke, I think, not just on the podcast, but I think in Scottish football that Hamilton almost finished 10th, right? I mean, how does that feel as a supporter hearing that? Season in, season out. Does it get a bit tiresome? No, if I'm being honest, because it's like it's always good to get to the end of the season and have proved everybody wrong and to see all the seeth online um, or in podcasts, on sports scenes, you know what I mean? All these people talking about it. It's brilliant. It, is, it does get a little bit annoying, though, when you're not seeing improvement from the club. Do you know, we've been here for a good few years now and we don't seem to be pushing any higher than you know, go aiming for 10th, which is where I think all these jokes come from. Um, I do wish that we would start aiming a little bit higher and maybe have more ambition than just finishing 10th this season, or just any season, really. But how do you think you... I mean, how does that happen now? The budgets are so... They must be the smallest budget, I think, in the league. And uh, saying that Rice should take some of the blame of it. I mean, to me, I think... I, I like what Rice has done this season. I mean, I've not studied games as much as clearly you have. So... Things like game management might not be something that I know enough about, but mm-hmm. the it seems to me that on that small budget and to have them still sort of I mean they're competing and they're <laughs> I think it'd be great if they finish tenth I love that yeah I mean what's it, how do they get out of that tenth because tenth must be 
that aims to stay alive, but there's no more money coming in, especially now with finances going through the floor with everything that's happened this year. Yeah, no, listen, I absolutely agree with, with what you're saying and I don't doubt it because there are fans that share that opinion as well, you know, where we've got the smallest budget in the league, we've got the worst squad in the league, we've got the lowest fan base in the league or there thereabouts. Um, so to finish 10th of the season is fantastic and I applaud the club and whoever's in charge for getting us there, but I do think ambitions need to be more than that. Do you know what I mean? If, if we go down to yeah. the championship, it's not... Like it's not like a heart situation where we're get you know we're favourites and then come bounce straight back up and be there again. Um, I don't know how long we'll be stuck in the championship if we go we do go down. It's 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 worrying at the end of the day, you know. And in terms of Brian Rice, he get has got a really good relationship with people in football. He's been around a long, long time. Um, and we kind of have a little joke inside the Aki's fans of. Oh, but you know, Chipper's a, a great guy, but great guys don't win football matches. Um, you need to have something about you, and I'm not doubting that he does. But to me, he's he's lost a lot of support from Hackey's fans this season, um, with the poor performances and, and the tactics that, that I touched on earlier. He's lost a lot of faith. So there are a lot of people calling for him to be fired, and there are a lot of ones that if we do go down, like to seem replaced, but. I I personally don't see it happening, but he's got a he has to, he has a lot to do to win back confidence of a lot of Aki's fans. What's your what's your gut feeling then, Ben? Do you, do you think this is the year that Hamilton go down, or do you do you still hold out for that that string of hope? I mean, I, I can only speak, you know, my own opinions because mm-hmm. you know doing what we do in the channel, we speak to a lot of fans with a lot of different opinions. So I know there are fans out there who disagree with me on this. Um, but I do, I do personally think this is the season. I mean, I go into every single season saying that this looks to be it, yeah. and it never is. But it's at that stage of the season now. Four games left to go. Four really difficult games left to go, and we're sitting bottom of the table. Um, I don't, I don't see where improvements are coming from. I do think it's a different, a different story. If we don't have as bad injuries, because a lot of them are straight first-team players, like David Templeton, Lewis Smith, Marius Ogunpo, they walk straight back into the team. But where we're sitting the now, I personally don't see it. I like to remain as positive as I can. Like on the podcast, on the match reviews, I tend to be one of the more positive, um, more positive people on there. But I just personally don't see where the points are going to come from because there are four teams that are difficult to play against. Mollowell are only up. Kelly are only up. St Mirren, we played them in the cup, and we, you know we saw what happened there. Um, and County, County are always a nightmare to play against. So four difficult games. I wonder though, Hamilton are so known for for producing such rough diamonds. There's some great players that have came through Hamilton's academy. If you do go down, is is the future bright in that sense, or do you do you not see enough uh, young stars coming through? That's interesting because we 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 spoke about this recently actually as well and. What we spoke about was when we were down in the championship previously and the players who came through the academy at that time, the likes of Ziggy Gordon, eh, Ali Crawford, people like that, they were given the opportunity to perform consistently in the championship because obviously a lower, no, no you know, disrespect is meant, but a lower quality opposition so they were able to be brought in and played consistently and get their game up so that when we went to the, the premiership they were able to perform. I think it's great being in the premiership but I think it does hamper the the possibility of some of our youth prospects coming in and playing because we're less likely to win games in the Premiership so they're less likely to throw in an 18-year-old midfielder into a game against you know a Ross County or a Motherwell. Um, in terms of who's coming through the now, I mean, the standouts, Lewis Smith, Jamie Hamilton, they were getting all the, the applaud, obviously. Um, but there are some you know, younger ones. I think Regan Mimno needs more time. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of Regan Mimno, actually. I think he, he should be in the team more. The likes of Ronan Hughes, who's been about for a lot, has been about for a, a good few years, but has never really shown any quality, really. Um, but other than that, you don't really see a lot of them now, um, really bursting through. Uh, other than the likes of Jamie Hamlin and Lewis Smith, who are good prospects, but still have a lot to prove. Jamie Hamlin, can I just say, I think will go to the very top. I really genuinely do. I think he's a he think he's a class act. He spent some time at Brighton, didn't he? training because the a connection week. with Brian Reid and all that yeah a week um, a week training camp they yeah, did or something a lot of people sniffing around Hamilton they maybe needs to get sent off less <laughs> <laughs> this is a thing right genuinely we, we had a joke about this as well where it seemed as if Jamie Hamilton need, needed to be yellow carded in a game to start performing because as soon as he got that first yellow card he suddenly turned into 
Nesta or something, you know, like Prime <laughs> Tiago Silva and that. Plenty of shots for, for Hamilton, but uh, man of the match was obviously Benjamin Segrist. Ryan to his mates, isn't that right, JJ? Yes, Ryan Seacrest, the American <laughs> presenter. Yeah, you said that in the last podcast. Brilliant. Superb. Uh, but it's not the first time that he's been man of the match for Dundee United. Uh, no, he's yeah, he's a good goalkeeper. Like We know that. We said he's one of the players of the season, especially outside of the old firm. This was a, a, on, on Rice his best performance of the season. I mean, they lost 1-0, but uh, underlying stats say they played quite well. I think they were better in the second half. So they had more of the ball in the first half, but I think in the second half they moved it better. So that they were just more, they were able to progress it better, maybe because they weren't just being kept behind the Dundee block, uh, Dundee United block the whole time. And actually, they finished on two point three at one point one Dundee United. So, like, technically, you know, technically they won the game. In real life, they did not win the game. They very much lost it. But uh, yeah, I could see why you came across as it as a good performance. Also, he's probably trying to boost them after going nuts last week and just trying to get the atmosphere up a bit because you can't have a negative environment going into really important games it's you know and trying to relieve some of the pressure when they go into these big sure. games coming up and uh, even though Mark McNulty was the difference uh, we learned from Jordan Campbell uh, from The Athletic he, he wrote that United uh, have actually put through like 10 academy products um, this season with five of them actually making their debuts uh, which is the most out of any team in the Premiership the academy director Andy Goldie building that from the, the bottom up at Dundee United but he was also at Hamilton so he's brought that ethos to Dundee United and it's just nice to see Laura that young players are getting opportunities It definitely is I think um, during a time like this as well it might have forced some clubs into using some of their, their youth products because possibly with the likes of cutting corners and furlough and everything it might have been the opportunity it might have been the decision between letting them go completely or giving them a chance in the first team. Um, I, th- I think it's... I feel like the reputation that Hamilton have of bringing through youth uh, kind of perplexes me a bit, though, because they're sort of the go-to team that people use as a good example in Scotland, yeah. which I kind of disagree with. I don't think they are the strongest. I think a lot of other teams got overlooked in that sense. Um, I think people possibly remember... James McCarthy and James MacArthur as the standouts and that's sort of lived in everyone's heads for like mm-hmm, two decades mm-hmm. now. Um, but United, great. I think it's also another example of Mickey Mellon's long-term plan with United, which is interesting because I saw he was linked with Doncaster. Um, yes, which yes he was. It's a strange one, I think, if he was to be lured away to Doncaster because when he came to United, he talked about it being a long-term project for him. And we are seeing evidence of that with him blooding through players from the youth academy um he has done it in the lower leagues in england before i don't quite know how that's a new challenge for him if he was to take up that offer um and i, I think i agree i think now that so that game at the weekend secured united's status in the top league i think we all knew it was, it was going to be the case anyway but that mathematically secured their safety this season which we've all been saying for weeks that was united's main aim of the season so i think now he's achieved that it's now about moving forward for Mellon and what he can do next with United. And it would just be strange for him to leave at a stage like this. Yeah, I don't think he will. I mean, he was on the podcast at the start of the season and he talked about how how he was just happy to be home. That's what he never he never had the opportunity to come back to Scotland. And when he did get that, he grabbed it with both hands. And I think he's been welcomed uh, back home quite well. I think he's been a good addition to the Premiership. So I, I agree with you, Laura. I think it would be strange for him, even though he is linked to Doncaster, I think it would be an odd move for him. He's got a good uh, a good job in his hands there. Uh, but moving on, Ross County, they battled back twice from behind to claim a point at Rugby Park against Kilmarnock. And um, I, I wonder, that is, do we like the split? Is this something where we enjoy the fact that the, 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 the teams at the bottom end of the table just have to face each other and it's a bit more competitive? Are you fans of, of this setup? Which we've had I'm, for a while, to be fair. I'm a massive right. fan of it. I've yeah. always been a big fan of it. I think going into the time when the split's coming up, I think it, it draws more excitement. I think I always remember, well, I remember through the years, like last day before the split, there's always been some sort of drama, um, some late goals. And it, it might not seem a lot to be like, oh, fighting for sixth to seventh place and everything on paper. It doesn't look like a lot of difference, a big difference. But it's it brings that added excitement. Um, for the clubs themselves, it makes such a big difference as well in terms of money and, and prize money at the end. But what I like this year, uh, I've noticed it more often um, 
and things like when I'm using like apps for scores and things like that and I'm looking at tables, quite a few tables now have split it into the top and the bottom six instead of keeping it as one table of 12 teams, which is quite interesting. It's quite, I kind of got a European feel to it because I know like Belgium split their leagues up towards the end of the season um, and they don't get counted because it looks strange at the end of a season when seventh has got more points than sixth. Um, on paper people don't quite follow why that is the case I think it adds a lot more excitement because even for for example like from a personal perspective before our game on Saturday for Motherwell we were saying right who have Ross County got who have, who have Hamilton got and it's all teams around the same area of the table and it makes it so much more exciting because you're like you can't call this I mean, Kelly, we're playing Ross County and we're kind of in the office before the game going, right, what do we want to happen? Do we want a Ross County winner? Do we want a draw? What's the best scenario there? And it's just so exciting to think that that's the fixtures coming up rather than you're looking at the teams below you going, oh, well, they're playing Celtic and they're playing Rangers. So that's a, a foregone conclusion. It's, it just adds so much more to the, the running. Was was a point a good thing for Motherwell? <laughs> Between Kilmarnock and Ross County in a way? It, it was good. I think we, we were thinking of a Ross County win. <laughs> to distance themselves even more from Kilmarnock, but a points definitely would we'll take it. The points, yeah. the, the results went very well for Motherwell at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, it did, it did mean that, that, that point did mean that uh, Ross County stopped that, you know, losing streak. It would have been four defeats in a row if they'd, they'd lost that one. But it was a it was a frantic start, JJ. Probably the goal of the day was um, was Chris Burks as well. I mean, he, when he tends to do well for Kilmarnock, they tend to do well in general in games. It's second phase of a set piece, like all, I think all the goals come from set pieces actually, like either first or second phase. I might be wrong about all of them. But I think Gardines is open play. Yeah, it's open play. But the, um, I like the split a lot because you get really important games like this. Because I remember, like in years past, it was like who cares about this? Doesn't no one's going to benefit from it? Doesn't matter. But now, do you know it's big because all the relegation teams against each other, and I think that's great. Uh, however, like not a huge entertaining game. A lot of long passes, which maybe you'd expect. Not a beautiful game of football, and all the goals came from little errors and really scrappy like defending. I don't think either manager would be impressed with the individual defending when uh, certain bits. But I don't even know how you coach it because it's just like a scramble, like a <laughs> the balls are dropping in the box and they all pile around it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you did yeah. describe both these teams as the worst two teams in the Premiership. Uh, uh, yeah, the worst squads maybe. Yeah, I, I think that's probably harsh and Kilmarnock actually. Now I think about it in retrospect, I'm sure they don't care because my opinion means nothing. Well, uh, that's true. That is. <laughs> I mean, someone knows. I know that. Uh, uh, but I mean, as we talked about before, Kyle have to make a difference for them. Didn't really need him in this game because all the goals were from scrappy set piece goals. So that's the important thing, right? If that's how teams at these are scoring because they can't really create another way other than getting a foul and putting in the box, uh, you think they'd be really, really focused on them and getting a set-piece specialist or something like that because that's how you're going to get your goals. People laugh at that Liverpool throw-in coach and I remember um, oh, I, did yeah. a bit, I did a bit of work with a free-kick specialist once and I, I explained what, why we were going to do it because he shows that you do knuckleballs and stuff and then someone on the show I was working on was like, oh, you're going to teach you how to kick a ball? You think pros don't know how to kick a ball? It's like all this kind of weird <laughs> Neanderthal, like just accept things can be better. And uh, yeah, so that's the kind of thing that you maybe want to do. I'm not saying that I don't know, like John Hughes doesn't know how to set up a set piece. But that's where a lot of chances come for these lower teams. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of focus on that, you'd think, coming into the final part of the season. Yeah, well, a, a bad week for Hamilton, a good one, uh, potentially for Ross County and Kilmarnock come the end of the season. But coming up, what happened in the top half of the table? We'll find out next. At Paddy Power, we know there are plenty of risks in football. Parking the bus at 1-0, signing that promising youngster for 50 million. Or predicting Pep's lineups for your fantasy team. But at Paddy Power, we don't want you to take unnecessary risks. So when you sign up for a new account, you'll get your first bet up to £10 risk-free. That's money back as cash if it loses. Paddy Power. New customers only. Deposit using cards or via Apple Pay. First bet on sportsbook markets only. Minimum deposit. Max refund £10. Online exclusive. T's and C's apply. 18plusbegamblerware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Podcast, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. 
This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Ambrose, formerly of this parish. I think he feels he's still in a Celtic shirt because he's found Christie, and that's six. Well, what on earth is F.A. Ambrose doing there? Six of the best for Celtic on Saturday, their biggest win of the season in the Premiership. Livingston, the victims at Celtic Park. Um, I suppose 6-0 does mean they were victimised by Celtic. Victimised. <laughs> <laughs> Careful now. Probably uh, a good thing for Celtic in recent weeks has been the return of James Forrest. But he's injured again. It was his first league start since September and he opened the scoring what do we think of this game and James Forrest going off injured? He's injured with hurt feelings from what Laura said about him last week. Should get the Scotland team. <laughs> Is he that emo? James yes. Forrest emo. Oh, he should develop a thicker skin then, shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's so harsh. Again, uh, but so what do we harsh, think of this game, JJ? You know, are Celtic back? Is that what the headlines are saying? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be like this. Zero or one. It can be in between. <laughs> Livingston, like, what have they got to play for? I mean, Scottish Cup, maybe they'll be all right in that. So that's what they've got, right? So um, they're in the top six. I think just finishing sixth or fifth is all they're going to be able to do, probably, at this point. Um, Celtic just had a really good day. Livingston, a bad day. Another good thing about it, or not a good thing about it, but it wasn't a 6 0 game. Like, uh, again, underlying stats show that Celtic had the advantage, but if you want XG, it's 2.9 versus 0.6 for Livingston. So. Like weird goals, like the the one that Turnbull scored. I don't know why the goalkeeper's diving out to stop the cross. He thinks it's going yeah. low, and it just gets chipped over him. Turnbull puts it in, and then just kind of weird things. His known goal is one of them. It's really, really. I mean, you can't really the finish. Who's he scored the long range goal? Elianusi bends it in the bottom corner. Elianusi, yeah, lovely yeah, finish. Lovely finish, but like low xG. Just once you get a few goals lead, you can start trying stuff like that. And then the, the goal Ryan Christie scores at the end is like one of those that happens at five-a-side when you're in goal. <laughs> Do you know when you, you pass out by accident and they score? By the way, uh, Laura and Charlie, Slavin put in one of the greatest of all-time five-a-side goalkeeper performances <laughs> I have ever seen in a game last Thursday. His first game in over a year. And the boys we're playing with, who are all professional football journalists, like, who's this guy? It was great. Put him in goal for Livingston. I have to admit, though, JJ, although that was lovely praise, and thank you very much. I mean, I don't normally play in goal. I chose that because I was so unfit. I played 10 minutes outfield and I blown out my arse. <laughs> I couldn't move. This is a disgrace. But thank you very much. I, I tried my best. I mean, you shouldn't really get knackered in goals, but I was buggered. Uh, anyway, back to the game. Uh, Livingston, look, the last time they went to Celtic Park, they got a point. Uh, but, you know, fast forward and David Martindale's now calling this the worst, probably the worst performance he's seen in seven years at the club. And on top of that, have you seen the news that they may not be able to play in Europe because of um, some UEFA things that they, they haven't matched? Yeah, it feels like the kind of the rails are coming off a wee bit for Livy in recent weeks. I mean, it was not that long ago we were sitting here talking about David Martindale from Manager of the Year. Um, and... And that was a bit praising of them to the to the high heavens. It was just everything was great, everything was going well for them, and then they took a wee bit of a stumble before the cup final, and they've never really recovered. I, I'm not going to sit here and try and guess exactly the reasons for what exactly has gone wrong with Livy this season. I'm not the best person to ask about that, but it's clear for everyone to see that it's it's not been a happy end to the campaign for them. Yeah. This news of the UEFA stuff, um, I, I think it has been kind of bubbling under for a while, so. Um, I don't know if this was actual confirmation of them not being allowed to play in Europe or it was just still saying like there's a strong possibility this might actually happen. It's, it's still a possibility. So to right. be clear, as people know, it's they have an insufficient youth system yeah. and a lack of published accounts and that's why UEFA could bar them from competition. But they say they're working around the clock to satisfy the criteria. <laughs> um, but like things like the Youth Academy is very difficult for them to deal with because they've lost over 2 million in 15 months. Yeah, you can't just make a youth system um, in a couple of weeks <laughs> in the off chance that it could get them into Europe. The, the accounts thing, that's different. I, I'm not going to be able to second guess what they're doing there. But um, this is a big blow for them, though, if they were to finish fifth in the table, because as we know this year, fifth could get you into Europe. Yes. Um, this is a major blow, but it's also on the flip side of that. How massive is this for St Johnson as a possibility? Because mm. they scraped into the top six in the dying seconds, as we were just talking about there, the, the kind of the, the drama on the last day before the split, they so narrowly squeezed into the top six and now they could be looking at getting into Europe. What is also even bigger than this is 
for the chance of a, a team who is, was it, is, if it's not Rangers or if it's not Celtic or Rangers, if they win the Scottish Cup. So if a team that's not already qualified for Europe win the Scottish Cup, the position goes to them instead. Yes. And the way it works out is they go into the Conference League, is that right? Or they go into the, I can't remember which way round it they is. Go they go into, into the, the second the, qualifying round of the Conference League. Yeah. The so worst league. case scenario, see, for example, right, one of the non-old firm teams win the Cup. They will go into Europe and even if they lose that qualifying tie, they go into the competition below it and they go into those group stages. So they're guaranteed like eight European ties yeah. as a yeah. result of this and, and European football till Christmas. Um, and I mean, I'm saying that from a mother perspective, that's huge because we're not going to get into Europe any other way. But to have that kind of dangling in front of you as a possibility because of what's going on right now, that's a massive drive for everyone else that's still got a chance of making it. And and a positive um, outlook for this is, if we look at it from a Scottish you know viewpoint, is I don't think there has been a team in European group stages since I think two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, and other a team other than Celtic and Rangers. So I mean to have another team competing up till Christmas is fantastic. I'm yet to be convinced about this Conference League, though. Uh, but who knows if Livingston are even going to make that. There's still a lot uh, to happen until then. Let's talk about Rangers, who maintained their 100% home record in the Premiership. A 2-1 win over Hibs on Sunday. And I think I said Chris Burke was maybe goal of the day. Um, and I'll stick to that, because they played on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Ryan Kent's goal was probably the best goal of the weekend, I'm now going to say. I think he was at it all through the game, shooting from range. What did you guys make of, of this one? I'll, I'll throw to you, JJ. Uh, a decent win for Rangers, keeping that winning rate going. Like They're just really good and efficient to get the job done. Hibs weren't bad. And uh, like this bit, you know, they thought they might be able to get something back into it later on in the game. Uh, good that uh, Borna Barisic is back for them. That's also very, it's obviously very useful. It's, it's not really much to say about it. Like, Rangers were just a better team. Well taken goal at the start by Arabo, nice little volley. I like the way that they're creating in the final third. Like they've clearly been working on these patterns in in training where they know the teams and block them and they find a way to get a midfielder who comes forward to join in and find space like a, for a cutback. Everything about it is very clever. Um, but the chances they score are really well taken. Kent's the long range goal, beautiful. And Arabo's is a well finished, you know, it's a well finished volley from where it was. Strike, yeah. But it wasn't like they dominated Hibs or anything like that. They just managed to get it done clinically. Then there will be a point if, someone, if it continues like this next season, say, where it'll level out and they won't be destroying everyone. It's a little bit like how Liverpool worked last season, where they were really overperforming um, in XG and stuff like that and levelled out. I mean, they were they beat Hibs on XG and in real life here. So there's nothing much to worry about. Just trying to give you stuff to talk about, really. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, JJ. I suppose the focus, Laura, really is on them just being invincible now. Uh, four games to go. They've got this goal difference of, of plus 70 at the moment. Um, but Celtic's unbeaten side under Brendan Rodgers had a goal difference of plus 81. So there's little things. There's little Because, th- I mean, if you're a fan of either Celtic or Rangers, you just want to beat your biggest rival's best season, if you can. Um, so there's lots to play for. Do you think they can do it this year? and be considered a better team than Celtic were? I think, yeah, it's, it's very possible when you look at four games to go and they've had such an outstanding season. They are scoring for fun. They are completely shot at the back. Their goal difference is, is crazy this year. Yeah, OK, you're, you're alluding to kind of the Rodgers era. But in comparison, Rangers' goal difference is plus 70 this season. Celtic's is plus 48. And... Six of those came at the weekend. Mm. Um, is that it's, it's like it's closing in. Well, it's not quite double, but it's it's a massive difference there. Um, Rangers, there's no denying Rangers have been absolutely outstanding this year. I think it would be fitting um, with the the style of play they've they've played, the just the general consistency they've had, the the performances from so many different players in their team as well. It's not just maybe one or two outstanding performers. It's it's been across the board. It would be fitting for them to complete the season without going, uh, without having lost a game. I, I, it's completely, completely plausible for them to do so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a, another bit of context for you as well is that Rangers 
could could beat the the British record um, of goals conceded in a in a league season. They've conceded eleven in thirty four games, and the British record is fifteen held by Chelsea in uh, Mourinho's first season in English football. I think oh four oh five conceded eleven, and Motherwell scored three of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, well, I think Nisbet was the third opposition player to score a goal at Ibrox. And one of the other players was at Motherwell, wasn't it, Laura? Yeah, Callum Lang scored the opening goal at Ibrox. Do you know the other player, JJ? Uh, yes. But tell me who you think it is. Mark McNulty. Ah, there we go, yes. I thought it was him, yeah. Eminem. It's a shame you had that because you did a good segue into Motherwell there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I could have done that. A yeah. more experienced and classy presenter would have done that. <laughs> but let's go for it. Devante Cole, he scored a fourth goal in four games from Motherwell, which was enough to see off St Mirren at Fur Park on Saturday. Laura, you're happy. You're finally, finally happy. Uh, Motherwell <laughs> look like they're going to be safe. Nine points clear of 11th and still four games to play. It's, yeah. it's fine. Everything's uh, all right now, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting too carried away. Um, we, 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 well, next up is, is Hamilton Ackies. We've got the derby. We could sink them a little bit more and sink also <laughs> secure safety at the same time, which would be you sweet. You bury a football but, <laughs> but we're not going to get carried away with that considering our results against Hamilton this year. Um, but no, this was a massive, massive result. I did hear, um, I was listening to Open All Mics on Saturdays. I, I usually do during the game. It helps me zone out and concentrate when I'm filming. Um and the reporter was saying, oh, this is actually quite a good game, considering neither team have anything to play for. <laughs> Which I thought, wow, I, I know it, on paper it doesn't look like the most exciting game. I mean, you look at the table, it doesn't look like the most exciting. But these players are out there fighting for their lives. They're fighting for their jobs. And I, I tell you, when we had eight minutes of stoppage time and St Mirren were throwing everything at it, nobody in a motherwell motherwell colours were thinking this is a nothing game everyone's hearts were in their mouths so we were certainly feeling it massive three points and again got it handed to Liam Kelly how he has been outstanding for us since he he signed in January he has been one of the players that is if we stay up and hopefully all things go accordingly a massive part of that is down to Liam Kelly I have a question for Laura hang on I have a question for Laura Um, so you see how obviously the players and manager and that are well aware of the go down. It could affect their jobs. Do you feel the pressure, like as staff? Like, do you feel like it might affect your job? Oh, it will definitely affect my job. Definitely. Um, I, I, I mean, I've not been told single-handedly. Oh, Laurie, you'll you'll be sacked. If, yeah, yeah. If mother will get relegated. But you can see across the board where departments will have to make cuts and media, of course, every like any other department, whether it's hospitality or commercial or the football staff or anything, everyone will have to take cuts somewhere. And personally, I mean, I'd like to think that I have an important role in terms of what I do in the media team, but there's absolutely no way that I'm so valuable that the money has to be saved for me personally when we've got a team of four in media there's, there's no guarantees there it's so yeah pressure, I mean yeah. We, we were saying that actually I mean some of the guys in the media team were saying that they're going part of the nerves going into stoppage time on Saturday is because you're thinking of your own personal situation I mean that, that person wasn't what was going through my head because I get so just caught up in the football side of things I try not to I can't affect it so <laughs> I can't personally um, get the points for the club and in turn save my career so it's just it's out with my control so you just got to kind of roll with it really and and hope for the best that's so interesting like that, it is yeah, interesting because yeah. you don't normally you just so many people would just focus on the team and forget about all the the heavy lifting that gets done behind the scenes uh quite an interesting yeah it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking and that's i think when you yeah, you must feel you've awful got that connect- watching some of these games must yeah you, you've got you've got that connection as well with the players because obviously you know them as people and when things don't go to plan your your first thought isn't oh damn you because you're jeopardising my future that's that's not what goes through your head first but you oh for me personally after a bad result and I see the, the boys walking off the pitch I see the hurt in their eyes because I know them as people and I know what they're like and I know how they will personally deal with it and how it'll haunt them when they go home and they'll sit and read everything on social media and there's times when I've said to boys because I, I interviewed them at full time instantly on the pitch for one of the boys for immediate reaction and sometimes after a bad result I'll text them after and be like look I really appreciated that because I know that's tough. And I'll say to them, look, don't go on social. Don't look at the reactions to it. And they go, I know, I know, I don't, I don't. And it's just to kind of give them that protection because because fans do take it out on players 
especially this season, I think we've talked about it in recent weeks, especially this season when they're not in the ground to vent their frustration, they'll take it out online. So, yeah, you can see how it affects different people. Um, so then when the, the good results come around, like Saturday, and you, you can tell maybe it wasn't the best performance of the season, but you grind out these massive three points and you can just see it on their faces just how much it means to them. So it just it helps that kind of team spirit and affinity. Speaking of next season, uh, well, Aberdeen will be there. Uh, they earned their first away win of 2021 uh, with a 1-0 victory. Surprise, surprise. Um, over St Johnston. Um, Johnny Hayes, or uh, I was watching the game on live score. Not the actual game, but just updates. And it's so funny, it came up Jonathan Hayes. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's nice. Birth I like name, that. Sure. But yeah, it was quite good. But Johnny Hayes, uh, he was the first player other than Callum Hendry to score a goal for Aberdeen since Andrew Considine on the 23rd of January. And I think the first to score open play since maybe December. I think it might have been. <laughs> 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 yeah. More Jesus. shocking than that, though. More shocking than that. Do you know what a buttery is? Yes. A rowie. Do you know what that is, Laura? Is it a, like a roll? Sort of, yeah. It's like a, it's like a scone, like a hard roll, isn't it? Yeah, my friend, my friend Dave describes it as a Scottish croissant. It's quite a good way to do it. Anyway, <laughs> nice. They're from the North East. They're delicious, right? Dave Cormack, the chairman, this came up in a Q&A. He eats bacon between two of them, like a, like a bacon roll. Why not? It's, it's mental. Why? Like, Why is it mental? Oh, my God. Like, he'll have is a he a red attack. sauce man or a brown <laughs> sauce man? That's what Probably I want to know. Oh, no. Anyway, that's just a weird... I've never heard of anyone doing that. You, did, you don't do that. Hey, um, back in the football, though. Yeah, St. Johnston were all right. Aberdeen were all right. In fact, in the first half, they were dreadful. And then... <laughs> so they weren't that all right. Yeah, well, they, they finished off. The second half was way better. Like, so much better. You can see the whole performance was all right. But, like, they'd been working with, um, you know, Paul Sheeran and Barry Robson that th- during the week. You couldn't tell they'd done anything when they went in. They were trying to play out from the back, but with a flat four, which you can't do. Then you have a yeah. flat four across the midfield. It's like junior football. And the spacing between them is like 15 metres. So whenever they kicked the ball long, it was headed forward. It was like trying to catch water with a sieve because there's just massive holes all the way across the pitch. And then the strikers did nothing. Florian Canberry was anonymous. Took him off, put on um, Fraser Hornby in the second half. He was very good. And the spacing was much better, more compact. Like you see teams playing four four two, and if you watch European football, like Atletico, Atletico do it, and, and Porto do it very very well. There's a place for a four four two, but you've got to be compact, especially out of possession. You can't be you can't be open at all, or it's too easy to pass through. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'd like for example, Hayes scores that goal for Aberdeen as a left winger in the middle of the pitch because in the second half he's playing narrower so he's not like in the first half he was always wide and he wouldn't have been in position to score that so mm-hmm, they made mm-hmm. changes and it worked I wonder if it's the players just not having it it's a weird end to the season Purvis St. Johnston because they um, they didn't they weren't really as good as I think we've seen them towards the end of this season still got a feeling they're going to do it the cup <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're yeah, going to do it I'm all, I'm all about it They've got Clyde, haven't they? Uh, yeah. Next Saturday, and uh, Aberdeen are, are are there too. They've well, not there, but they've got they're at home to to Livingston. And isn't that going to be the first game for Stephen Glass in the dugout? I think it might be actually. Yeah, maybe he's doing stuff over Zoom. I know. I think he's been quarantining in Aberdeen. <laughs> come over. I don't know why, but yeah. that just made me feel like. Aberdeen are just going to wheel out some sort of robot, <laughs> Stephen Glass's face, and the dugout. Yeah, <laughs> like they put like a suit on a bin, and then they've got him like. <laughs> On a on a a broom underneath it through the bin with a face on it. <laughs> wow, I'd like to see that in robot. Wars. Oh my god, I would love that. <laughs> what do you, what have you called your robot? The Stephen Glass. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. This podcast is going a strange way. Coming up next, though, hearts are heading up, but are they happy? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of my best friend, producer Charlie. We're about to talk about hearts, Charlie, but are there some championship games happening this week? Yes, and to those who say the championship is done, I say, what about Dundee and Dunfermline? They don't think it's done. 
they've got a playoff place to play for and they'll be playing for that place on Tuesday night. The Pars are winless in five and three points off the top four. They're two to one to get the victory at East End Park. But the D are even shorter odds at 23 to 20. And I'm reliably informed that if Andrew does want to bet his house on Charlie Adams scoring a penalty, Paddy Power will not take that bet. Please gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh Andrew, but, Andrew, you are spoiled for Queen of the South games, with the greatest team in Scotland playing not once, but twice this week. If you want to go for a double on them to beat Wraith Rovers on Tuesday, then win at Dunfermline on Saturday, that's 4-1. to one. There you Ooh. go. Queen of the South have got God on their side. You could win four houses. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't even own a house. But there you go. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, Charlie... Stop. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a rocky road this last 12 months, but it's a, a happy ending for Hearts as they secure promotion back to the Premiership this weekend. We're joined now by Scott McIntosh, a.k.a. Amoruso Let's It Run. Scott, it's been a hell of a year. How did you feel on Saturday when promotion was finally confirmed? Uh, I think it's widely accepted by people who are closely associated with the club, but also out with that, you know, we are one of the biggest clubs in Scotland. Therefore, you know, the fact that we were in, you know, a lower league shouldn't really be happening. So not really something to celebrate, especially given the circumstances. And I think it was just more now a relief that we'd finally sort of stumbled over that line. So I saw this thing where some of the Hearts fans are campaigning for Hearts to, for the players to leave the, the trophy in the stand uh, when they get awarded it as some sort of protest against what happened with the SPFL last year um, because it's, I guess, a, a sense of, well, we didn't want this trophy in the first place, we shouldn't have been down here in the first place. What's your kind of take on that? And how would you feel as a fan if you didn't see Hearts actually lift the trophy? I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted about this one. I think that this is, for a, a club and a board especially, uh, that have been under criticism, severe criticism for the last few weeks. I think that this is pretty much an open goal that they really shouldn't miss to sort of try and engage with some of the fans who have been critical, not only themselves but also the management recently. F for me personally, I I just think now's the time to stop, you know, harking over things that that happened 12, 18 months ago. I think that ultimately the the club shouldn't have found itself bottom of the table last March. You know, given the playing budget that we had, we'd only won four league games that season. We really didn't look like, you know, saving ourselves anyway. I think that now's the time for us to try and focus on making sure we don't make those same mistakes again in terms of recruitment and sort of playing style and management. So for me, I think last year, it, it was hopefully going to be a positive, you know, kind of build a, a siege mentality, try and get the players and the fans sort of all, you know, united as one. But I think now that we've got out of the league, I think it's now just, you know, a, a chance to forget about it. But like I say, you know, each to their own, you know, anyone who's wanting to get involved in that, you know, fair play to them. But I, I do wonder now whether this is going to be another case of the, the, you know, the board and the club missing another open goal, an opportunity to engage with the fans. There seems to be a lot of Hearts fans who aren't the biggest fan of Robbie Nielsen. I don't know how you feel about that. And well, and Budge right now as well. So knocked out of the cup by Brora and the Highland League. But Nielsen has basically done what he's supposed to do. Maybe not done it quite as triumphantly as, as you want. But, uh, I mean, would you keep him for next season? Think there's any better options you could get in? Would it even be worth asking him to leave to bring in certain other unemployed managers just now? Yeah, I, I do feel sorry for Robbie Nielsen because technically speaking, if you look at his previous full season that he had with the club in charge of the club in the Premiership back in 2015-16, he amassed a, an, an average sort of home goals total and total goals total that, that is pretty much within the, the five best seasons that we've had in the last 40 years as a club. Now, unfortunately for most clubs out with the old firm, our bread and butter is all about trying to win a trophy or trying to, you know, get into Europe. And I just feel like, you know, the results that he got in Europe, also the sort of cup results that he got, not only during his first spell, but obviously this season with the, 
the sort of horrific results at, at Alwa and then at Broader Rangers the other week there. I do think that that, that tends to be what fans stick on uh, and I just find that very difficult for him to sort of get past that. He would really need to go on a, a sort of unprecedented runny results to really start getting fans on board. And th- to an extent, the, the reason why fans want rid of Robbie Nielsen is all, all not born down to him but it's just this sort of acceptance culture that we think's kind of been permeating within the club now for the last sort of four or five years uh, dating back to when Robbie first left and we, we sort of hired Ian Cafro I think that we've we've seen the mistake happen twice before with Cafro and Craig Levine where we did give them the summer there'd been a lot of reservations you know towards the end of the season before they were then given the chance to go through a whole sort of recruitment overhaul and then within two to three months, both of them were away. So I think because we've been bitten twice very recently, uh, we sort of put in faith in managers during the summer. I think that, amongst other reasons, is why fans want the changes to happen now rather than wait till we have a bad spell next season. So what do you think of the squad? Is the squad you have currently, are they ready to compete in the Premiership next season? How much strengthening might need to be done to, to compete at that level? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a difficult one. I think too many people try and judge how ready we are for the Premiership by how we do playing against teams who are all parking the bus at Tynecastle every week. I think that a lot of these players who have actually struggled in the last few months will probably look better when they're playing in more competitive matches. So the likes of Andy Halliday, Gary Mackay, Stephen, you know, players with a proven sort of uh, premiership pedigree, I think will actually look better next season once they're playing in, in bigger sort of higher profile matches. I think it's been quite difficult for some of the players to, you know, get used to that sort of favourites tag that they've been given every week. So I, I do think we're sort of four or five players away from having a really good squad. Uh, I think especially centre-half, they need to look at strengthening there. And s- certainly the wide area still continues to be an issue, even although you know we've brought in four or five wide players during the last 12 months alone. So I think there is a couple of priorities. But but yeah, for, for me, there's, there's definitely you know reasons for optimism with regards to the squad that we currently have. Thanks, Scott top man uh, that's it from us thank you for listening thanks to JJ and to Laura and to the little kicks the tune that you're listening to right now a special thank you to producer Charlie for sounding awesome also from Ben Patterson uh, really good to speak to him from Only Ackies is his YouTube channel and we'll be back next Tuesday have a great week everyone we'll see you then you've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show part of the Athletic Podcast Network Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual places, or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. <laughs>